Hi, everyone. This is Chris Murdoch with Recruiting Connections with me, Chris Murdoch. And today, my guest is Kimberly Stephan Tate. Did I say it right? That is absolutely perfect. Awesome. KST. Um, yes. KST. So I, I only met you a couple of days ago. That's and the right. first and and the first first thing I, I said was I think we've met before couldn't remember where still can't remember where <laughs> but the person that got us connected gushed about you and then I, I I got to see why and so I wanted to have this conversation we did not talk about this but at the time I just sent you the invitation let's have a conversation because you and I connected instantly. Like, I mean, I felt like I've known you for, for years because you were very clear about who you are, what you prioritize and, and how you feel about people. And, and I'm like, this is somebody I want to know. This is somebody I want to, to, to build a relationship with. And even though you are, you know, thousands of, of miles away, I really valued our conversation and I, and I want other people to experience you. Thanks, so, Chris. So give us a little background on yourself and then we'll just jump right into it. Sure, absolutely. So Kimberly Stephan Tate, I have spent the last almost nine years working at Assurian, major technology company based in Nashville. Prior to that, I worked at Dell Technologies for 13 years. And when I think about my career, everything that's really important to me can be summed up with really helping people reach their full potential. And I do that in a lot of different ways. It's through career coaching, resume writing, LinkedIn profile optimization, running diversity, equity, and inclusion programs and building those from the ground up. Well, in this case, you were, you were, you were in account management and sales, right? You know or- what? I've done, I'm a jack of all trades. I have a history of being a project manager, sales, operation manager. When I very first started at Assurian, my initial job was in operations, helping lead okay. call center teams. How did you get into the DEI program? Like what, what prompted that? That's a great question. When I was at Dell Technologies, I ran their LGBTQ Middle Tennessee Pride chapter and really helped evolve that program and helping businesses to really understand that when you have employee resource groups, they're not just about going and hanging out and having balloons and cupcakes. They really can help the strategy of your business and business innovation. So when I came to Assurian, I naturally looked for diversity, equity, and inclusion. I looked for employee resource groups, and I just didn't find any. And I was very, very good. I had the very good fortune of meeting Nikki Smith Bartley, who is now the company's chief diversity officer. And I met Scott Avila, who's one of the vice presidents of HR, told them about my experience. And I said, you know, hey, I really have some unique qualifications around employee resource groups. I'd love as you're on this journey of developing diversity, equity, and inclusion insurance, I'd love to help develop ERG strategy. We'll build a pride group. And then with the pride group, we'll make it the model for others to follow. And so I sort of, it actually sort of fell into my lap. And I was very grateful that Assuring gave me the autonomy to do that. It, it didn't fall into your lap. You made this happen. This is really at the core, I think, of who you are. You really care about not just the people you know, but like people in general. And you saw the value that just this one group could have. And I mean, how many ERGs did were created after that one? Absolutely. So within a, a matter of a year and a half, we created 11 different ERGs. Most of them serve the underrepresented communities, Hispanic, Latino team members, LGBTQ team members, team members who are Black or African-American, other multicultural and such. And today, I think there's over 7,000 people across the globe 
opted into those various strategies. And that gets them more connected to the business, you know, and there aren't a lot of people that necessarily may or may not look like them, act like them, think like them, but this got them all connected and made them feel more like they're part of the business. And, and, and it just, it probably just made them feel that much more, you know, give that, gave them that much more ownership. In that's being right. And you know what? And that's right. And you know what a lot of folks don't realize, Chris, is that this is good for business. This isn't just a feel good engagement. People who are opted into employee resource groups at, at Assuring, what we found is they tend to stay 50% more than the people who aren't opted into ERGs. And that's incredible in terms of like really making a long-term investment in your folks and having them really be able to contribute to the business in different ways. Well, and, and we had, so when we first started the Nashville office, it was just a handful of people in a 400 square foot office. And, and so we, we let them name it and they called it the Nashville executive research division of IQTP, the nerd, the N-E-R-D. <laughs> and again, by giving them an opportunity to name it, gave them a greater sense of, of ownership. We also ref- affectionately referred to them as nerds. Our clients, some of our clients to this day that we still, that we had back in those earlier days, they still say, hey, can I get a nerd to work on this? Because everybody loved calling them nerds. And we do something called nerd, nerd educations, which is <laughs> nerds educating other nerds. So it's our lunch and learn program. And then we also, they started something they called nerd initiative. And it was an ERG where if a not-for-profit needed some help, or if I volunteer with a certain organization and they needed more volunteers, we could put the word out. Well, it was like seven people. And then we were 30. Then we were 60. And and as we got bigger, it is actually now one of our verticals for clients. So those, those folks, the person that started the, our, our, our first employee resource group, the nerd initiative ultimately now runs our ESG practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we've got clients that range everything from, again, the, the, <clears throat> the environment to the society, you know, trying to solve societal's problem, society's problems. And then also there's some government, you know, stuff that's, that's thrown in there too. But it's, it's, it's fascinating to see how an ERG actually has now had an impact to where we could actually develop its own vertical within our business. Yeah. It's amazing. Absolutely. A lot of people don't like people just don't realize how strategic employee resource groups can be. Really, at the end of the day, they should do four things. They should drive community involvement, professional development, business innovation, and employee engagement. Think about this. If you're developing a new product, if you don't have somebody on your team that is Hispanic or Latin, are you going to have somebody on the team that that is thinking through the lens of are we going to develop this app in Spanish? You know, look at what part what part yeah. of the population is Spanish, right? And so it really is about unlocking the potential in people, not, not only in what they do in their day job, but how do they give back to the business? How do they give back to the community? All of, yeah. How do they lend a voice to your policies, your practices, your hiring decisions, all of that? Yeah. And, and Franny Levin is the one that, that started the, the Nerd Initiative. Then we started donating $1,000 a quarter. Now we donate $2,500 a quarter. And, and, and it's a, a business unit. It's a, it's a way for us to, to stay connected and with the, the community. Now we're connecting with the community and, and, and we're becoming a known entity there. We're doing, we're actually working with not-for-profits during our training classes. And they're doing recruitment for, for not-for-profits that can't afford to use a recruiter. And they're giving our, our new people an opportunity 
to be interacting with the the hiring managers, which you wouldn't normally do. And and they're talking to candidates, and these people are they're getting hires right out of training as a as a group. They get to ring the gong and the bell, and and so and this not for profit one of the one of the first organizations that we helped. One every single one of those people from those cl- training classes when we started doing helping the the not for profits. They started. They immediately got involved in their initiative. They immediately like reached out to Franny to 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 become involved and and get on those messages. But also at the same time, they're getting shout outs like, "Oh, the the team at IQ Talent did a great job in helping me find the most transformative communications manager where we could ever have." And we, so they had a huge impact. And now it's like that sense of ownership is even greater. And they've only been, they've been here less than 45 days or 120 days. I love that. How has the ER, the ERGs that were created gotten the remote population? This is very important now, now that with all these people working remotely, how did it connect the remote employees? Did, did was there an impact where they actually felt connected to the Nashville HQ? More, you know, were they more connected? Did it have an impact there? It's such an interesting conversation. Pre-pandemic, you know, there was such a small percentage of the population across the U.S., not just at, at Assurian, working at home, working remotely, right? I mean, it was, I think, across the U.S., at less than, generally, less than 15% of the population worked from home, right? And so remote, before the pandemic, was really focused on how do we make folks feel connected to the Nashville hub, Right. And then you've got different types of remote employees. Some remote employees work at a satellite site. And so it's how do you get them connected to Nashville, let's say. But then you have some employees that are just in the middle of Missouri or Texas. And so how do you make them feel like they're part of the greater? And so even pre-pandemic, the remote group did such a great job of making folks feel connected, offering professional development, offering courses on how do you maximize Zoom? How do you use filters? How do you keep people engaged and compelling? How do you read a room when you're not in the room, right? And then, I mean, remote blew up in the middle of the pandemic because all of a sudden everyone's remote. And, you know, it's crazy to me even to think back that you've got all these folks at home. And I let me tell you, my heart goes out to anybody that was a parent during the pandemic because, you know, you got two, three kids at home. Some of them might go to different schools. You've got all their different learning lessons they've got to be keeping up with. You've got small children that you're trying to keep their attention span on Zoom. Plus, you're trying to work. And then more than likely, you have two people in the home trying to work. So you've got like two, three kids on computers, two parents on computers, the dog's barking, the kids are crying. (laughs) So a group like Remote, they, they did such an amazing job of creating compelling content, empathetic content to help folks. They stood up a whole SharePoint with resources, guides, coloring books, learning plans, like things you should, you couldn't think, you, you know, things to entertain your kids online. So just, it was really, really sounds like you, It sounds like you set up a remote ERG, you know. Absolutely. Like, yeah. We, absolutely. There is, we, even before the pandemic, we had a remote ERG that targeted folks who work remotely. And I think treating it that, you know, having that kind of a mindset you know, we, we, we aren't articulating it that way, but we've always, we've been trying to find more ways to get our remote team, you know, more engaged. And so we're providing more content. We're trying to do, you know, more, you know, fun things to do. I'm actually, we're about to, we're going to, because of the Grand Prix, we've got a, a Grand Prix going on. So 
this will probably air in like three or four months. So there was a Grand Prix by the time they listened, but we're doing a Mario Kart tournament. So everybody, anyone with a Nintendo Switch, we're doing two brackets. One here in the office, everyone will 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 we'll get it down to a winner, and then we'll have the remote folks, you know, play each other online. We'll coordinate that, and then the winner of each one will then play each other to have the overall, you know, winner. And uh, and so you know, we'll see what happens, but we'll we'll make sure that you know, if it's the remote person, we're going to send them the big trophy, which they don't know what it is yet. They'll get the big <laughs> trophy, and then they got to take a picture of themselves, which we'll then use on social. And really, we're just trying to get get every get a little bit more involvement, get everybody you know on the same page. Not everybody can do things during the day if you're remote. So we're being mindful to make sure that that's one of the reasons why they can do it at night. So we're trying to think through the different problems. But I I really do like this idea of creating an ERG for the remote folks to give them a voice, give them the opportunity to tell us what we can be doing differently or better. I think it's important as well because they're they're re- like geography bias is real, right? A lot of times if you do work remotely, it can hinder your career trajectory, right? Not everyone is 100% bought into remote work, which personally I think is a little short-sighted in thinking, right? There's a lot of people managers that think, oh, I don't want my employee at home. Like they could be doing their laundry. They're playing with their kids. They're not actually working. And not realizing that some people work way better at home. Some Mm -hmm. people are way more productive and it gives you even more opportunity to flex And work in ways that do work for you, where you don't have a 45-minute commute each way. And so a lot of the value of a remote ERG is also sort of sharing information with the business about how bias impacts remote employees. And that's really a lot of what ERGs are about is education, helping folks to understand how women are disproportionately impacted in their career and and why the reasons why women have difficulty getting into manager level, director level, senior level, and the the same thing with people of color. So a lot of it is it's using education as power to elevate a business and help them think more strategically. Yeah. And I, and the thing is, I totally agree. Once we started going remote and had started growing our remote team, we had some technical problems with our all hands. So we do our all hands in the office and we would stream it and it kept failing. The microphones wouldn't work or this or that. And David, our you know, our president, he's like, fix it. Because this is the this is the probably the one time that they're they're included in with all of us here. And if and if they're not here, they're gonna feel disconnected. We gotta fix it. And so we are working, you know, constantly making sure that the microphone's working, that everything's set up properly that our remote people, new remote employees are able to introduce themselves because that's, yeah, that's important. One, and, and, and one really good best practice that I've heard in this area is while you're sitting in a room in, let's say like, you know, your hub or your corporate office, everyone in the room still using their laptop and logging into zoom so that you see the room, but you see the individual faces, which then makes you feel more connected. Yeah. And we're doing that. We're doing that in our e-staff meetings. And we're trying to make sure that everyone's you know visible on, on the team meetings, whether you're remote or in the room, this way they're seeing everybody. I really like in, in teams, the, the stadium view where they put everybody's head in, in a row, because <laughs> that's the only way I can see like everyone. Otherwise it's when everyone's talking you, or the grid is like, I think it's 16. I love it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love it. Where does a company start? Like you saw an opportunity to leverage the the LGBTQ pride 
ERG as a, a launch pad. How does a company go about, let's get into the tactical side. How does a company go about identifying where to start and then you know, setting the priorities and, and, and making sure everything's resourced properly? Absolutely. I think the very first thing is getting educated, getting educated on how really investing in diversity, equity, inclusion, how it actually impacts your bottom line in a positive way. It's really getting educated and understanding where women and people of color can be disadvantaged in the workplace. I'll give you just one quick stat, and that's HBR, Harvard Business Review did an article a couple years ago about if you only have one woman in your final slate of candidates, she statistically yeah. has no chance of getting hired, right? Yes, if you, at least if two. You have two. That's right. If you have two, her chances of one of them getting hired goes up to 79%. Same thing is true of people of color. If you don't have anyone, if you only have one, you have no chance. But if you have two people of color, their chances go up by 193%, right? So it's all about the education, understanding what is working against the people in your company or the potential candidates that are women or people of color. The second thing is I would say, start small, build a strategy, Think about who you want, you know, who does your company want to be when you grow up? Like, what is your commitment to your people? What strategically do you want to do? How do you want to impact the culture? How do you want to impact your hiring decisions? Three, it's building a framework. So if you want to have employee resource groups, what does that charter look like? How do you educate people on what an ERG is? What is it not? Right. And then thinking through making some small baby steps, growing it organically, And then don't feel like you have to go at it alone. There's a lot of people that do diversity, equity, and inclusion consulting, myself included. And so reach out to somebody that really has done this before and modeled it over and over again. So you're not spending weeks, months, hours reinventing the wheel when there's proven tools already out there to help you get started. One of the things that's going to happen pretty quick, if you don't have a strong company culture and you're trying to, 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 to put some ERGs in place... I think you're going to find that out pretty quick. Like you may think you've got a good culture. You may think you've got a clear mission statement. You may think you've got a clear value set, but you might be wrong. (laughs) And you know what? You're so spot on. Culture is everything. So millennials and Gen Z tell us that I need to work for a company that aligns with my value system. And so gone are the days when, when like, that generation, they're not just going and applying to every job out there. They're really being meticulous and looking at a company's value system. What are the leadership principles? Do you say something externally about LGBTQ people? Do you say something about people of color? And by the way, do you not just say something? Do you do something? Do you have action, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's a real shift in our culture because lots of companies had DEI programs And they got caught with their pants down when we started to really talk about George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and a lot of people, it was all just, it was just your mouth talking about how you value DNI, but it wasn't really embedded in your business. And so I think incredible intentionality is there, or you're not going to be an employer of choice. And if you do get people, they're not going to stay very long. Yeah. I went to, I went to a meeting and I'm going to, I'm going to earlier this week and and somebody brought something up. It's like, we can't find people that want to work. And, and, and I didn't want to say it. They didn't want to, they, they couldn't find people that wanted to work like them. That's and, right. and, and is, is actually what, what was being said. All I had to say is, well, you have to, they only want to work X number of hours. And I was like, yeah, that's, they, they, they value work-life balance. They only want to work 40 hours. So, and the thing is, and it was so fascinating. The person said, but we just need them to work 55 hours a week. 
but they only want to work 40. And, and so you're, 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 there's the mix, mix match. Your, your expectations is somebody that wants to work an extra 15 hours a week. Okay. You might find someone, but it's going to take you a while. And that's aligned with that kind of work style and, and that kind of growth tra- trajectory. But some people just want to put in the 40 hours. So you have to ask yourself, would I rather hire, you know, three people to do the job of two? You just said, and, you and just that's what you might have to do. Yeah. And you just said two incredibly in very important things. The first thing that I heard you say was really, we're living in a gig economy today more than ever before. And people yeah. are no longer just making their careers off of working a nine to five or working a 60 hour work week for one person. People aren't spending 15, 20 years at companies anymore, right? They're spending two, three years in jumping ship, going somewhere else to make more money, or they're working in the gig economy, working for Fiverr. Or, or we have we have people who have been here 10 years. Next year, we have two people that'll have 10 years. And, and so we, we're, every year we're going to actually have more and more people, but it's because we keep listening to them. We give them the resources. They, they have a sense of ownership and they want to be here. That is, that is exactly right. And the second thing that I heard you say that I think is also really critically important. If you just look at a company's demographics more times than not, if you look at the whole company and you don't slice it by where in the company someone is, you're going to see you probably do have 50% of your workforce is women, probably, you know, 30% of your workforce is a person of color, right? But if you don't really start looking at where in the organization those people sit, you're at a disadvantage. And what ends up happening is most companies, their frontline workers, that's where all their women are. That's where all their people of color are. And so to your point, if you're just sort of like, hey, I'm going to chain your arm to the desk. I need you to work 60 hours a week. I'm not going to invest in you. I'm not going to do anything to help you upskill, reskill, move up through the company ladder to actually give you an opportunity to find a career in like corporate America or a more professional level job. You're also not doing your people a service and they're, they're not going to stay because they just feel like a cog in the wheel and they're not appreciated. Yes. And they don't feel connected. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And connection is everything. And that is why I started this podcast. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Well, Kimberly, how should everybody get in touch with you? They can reach me on LinkedIn. It's Kimberly Stephan Tate. They can check out my website at www.tateofmindconsulting.com or you can email me at tateofmindconsulting uh, at gmail.com. And that's T-A-T-E and then of consulting at gmail.com. And Chris, I just want to say I've really, really enjoyed this conversation and you can call me and have a conversation with me anytime. I love it. I've already got you programmed into my phone. I, the thing is, you know, it's funny, you know, Tate of Mind, that just, that's, that's a dad, dad joke. IQ talent is also a dad joke. Interested, qualified talent. That's, that's, I mean, we, we, we hide our acronyms, you know, in, in, in plain sight. <laughs> I love it. I love it very much. Yeah. Well, Kimberly, this has been an awesome. And everyone, I encourage you to connect with Kimberly at, at your earliest convenience. Just reach out. And uh, well, Kimberly, thank you so much. Thanks, Chris.